0: Amen. I want to invite you to take a copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And uh, what a great day uh, to be here. What a great day uh, to start a new uh, sermon series together here in the book of Acts. uh, Especially looking at chapter 2 today, we're going to deal with a lot of chapter 1 as well. And uh, we have entitled this uh, series through the book of Acts, chapter 2, Healthy Church, God's Plan for a Fit Church Family. And today, the first thing that we're going to talk about uh, concerning healthy church and uh, we being a fit church family for the cause of the Lord is by looking at when the church was born and seeing about how they ministered through the power of the Holy Spirit because healthy churches minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we certainly want that in our own lives here at Calvary Baptist Church. And so we're going to read today uh, verses 1-4 1-4 through 4 in just a minute of Acts chapter 2 and see what happened when the Holy Spirit came there during the days of Pentecost on one particular uh, of those days and filled uh, those apostles and disciples, the 120 that were gathered together in the upper room and they began to go out into the streets of Jerusalem and to share the gospel. And, um, and the Lord just did a tremendous thing. 3,000 people were saved uh, the very first day that they went out and began to share the gospel uh, not long after that, another 5,000 uh, were saved. And it's just really incredible to see how the Lord worked there in the New Testament church. A matter of fact, uh, scholars tell us that in Jerusalem during this time, there were approximately 200,000 people who lived in or right on the outside of the walls of Jerusalem. 200,000 people. It is said in the first 30 years of the church being born, after we See what we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. That uh, nearly a 100,000 people had come to faith in Christ. Now not all of them were in Jerusalem. Uh, Many of these people who would have been saved during these days of Pentecost would have traveled to Jerusalem from other places uh, to uh, celebrate uh, Passover, to celebrate all that God had been doing and working in. And so it's really amazing to see how God saved So many different people and that the church was born and God grew it and he allowed it to be healthy and they were just following what God wanted them to do. And so I'm excited to be able to talk about that today, especially here at the beginning of a new year. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I know if you're anything like me or a lot of people that I I know and talk to, Every January is a time for a resolution, right? It's time to start over something. Maybe you're trying to get healthy and fit physically. I know January is a time that a lot of people pledge, hey, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to start an exercise program or I'm going to do something that's going to make me better in 2020 than I was in 2019. John Hopkins offered six suggestions to their employees and people on their blog on being more fit and healthy in the new year. They offered six suggestions. The first thing was to get annual health screenings and exams. They said you, you in order to be healthy you got to know if you're healthy to begin with, and so you need to go and, and consult with your doctor or physician and you need to let them do their annual screenings and exams and see what you're dealing with. And then the second thing was they said you need to eat nutritionally. You need to make sure that you eat the right things and You avoid the not right things. I need a strong lesson in that. And uh, then you need to be active. They said you need to start or continue an exercise program that gives you at least 30 minutes to 45 minutes of exercise a day. I'm not very good at that. And uh, my elbows work really good. I mean, I've got this down pretty good, but the rest of me are not working too well. The fourth thing was they said you need to spend more time with family and friends and avoid isolation. When you talk to healthcare professionals, they will tell you that they're not only seeing uh, people who are physically sick, but they're seeing more and more people who are emotionally sick, uh, people who are not healthy and well. Sometimes it's mentally and it's uh, due to a physical uh, nature or because uh, they have a chemical imbalance or just because things like depression and anxiety are real. They are real deals. I suffer with that myself. Uh, One of the things that I uh, had the doctor deal with me about and talk with me about just a few weeks ago uh, when I had that spell, or I guess it's been a month and a half now, uh, when I had that spell was he just uh, diagnosed me with stuff that I didn't know, didn't want to hear. And so uh, he was able to help me with that, and I'm thankful for that and being stronger. But they're saying you should spend more time with your family and you should spend more time with your friends And whatever you do, avoid isolation. And then the fifth thing was, give back to your community. Uh, John Hopkins said, man, volunteering through church or school or neighborhood groups is a wonderful way for you to feel productive. And what's amazing, when I was reading through this list this week, I thought, you know, every one of them have a biblical principle behind them, uh, what John Hopkins was offering and saying. And then uh, number six was, learn a new skill or hobby. And then the one phrase that captured me, they said, every year you should seek to read, learn, and grow. And I thought, man, how important that is. But those were those six recommendations that John Hopkins had for being fit and healthy in the new year. Church families, like all people, need to be healthy. A matter of fact, healthy believers makes for healthy church families. Christians in their churches, we can become healthy, unhealthy. We can become unhealthy over time. That is why it's important for us to look at God's word and to do this spiritual health check as a faith family. So we're going to deal with that for the next several weeks as we just work through Acts chapter 2 and uh, look at chapter 1, look at chapter 3 a little bit, but staying focused on Acts chapter 2 and just see how healthy we are as individual believers and then as a faith family. Because we want to follow, really, the Lord, the great physician's, uh, instructions as we grow together in love, as we grow together in uh, peace, as we grow together in grace, as we grow together in hope. We, we really want to do that in a very biblical way, right? How many of you today would say, Pastor, I'm with you. I want us to be, I personally want to be really healthy, spiritually, physically, every way that I can be, but I want our church family to be really spiritually healthy. How many of you would raise your hand and say, that's what, that's what I want? And we, we all want that, right? And so let's look at God's Word together and see how uh, we can learn to be a fit church family together according to God's plan and be a healthy, healthy church. Let's begin reading in verse 1, chapter 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Who is that? That's the 11 apostles that the Lord had called. Uh, with those were some really faithful women that the Lord had called. Uh, there were about 120 people who had remained really faithful and had traveled with those apostles. Some of those were family, some of those were friends. Some of those people who were just people who had heard the teaching of the Lord, they had followed the, the baptism of John, they had repented of their sins, and they had heard the Lord and they were attracted to him. And when the teaching became more and more severe, when it looked like that their Faith in their walk with the Lord would cost them something. Many people turned away, but we see this group that was really, really faithful. And it says they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. A visible manifestation of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what I would say to you is this. This is not a second blessing. I'm not encouraging you that we should seek as a faith family to speak in other tongues or unknown tongues. In its proper context here in Acts chapter 2, we know that God filled them with the Holy Spirit, and because there were many nationalities and many languages who had gathered there to uh, come and to observe the uh, feast days, uh, that the Lord allowed the gospel to be proclaimed, and people heard that in their own language. And so it was a, a, a tremendous, miraculous work of God to enable these apostles to preach and teach, and they were able to speak in people's languages in which they could hear the gospel, understand the gospel. But I would say to you, there's something that is unmistakable here and undeniable, and it is that the Holy Spirit came, and it filled these people who were following Christ. And everyone who has studied God's word would say it is at this time that the New Testament church was born. Up until that time, people were obedient to John's baptism, They were saved by faith, looking forward to the Messiah. Now the Messiah had come. He had offered up his life. He had died. He had resurrected. He had been making himself known, and he came with some uh, tremendous uh, commandments, and so we're going to work through some of those today and read that, but just join in with me in understanding Acts chapter 1, um, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to read verses 6 through 8, and then verse 14 together and because we're going to deal with some of that as well today. Look look with me at those verses. Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. It's important for us to know that Acts was written by Luke, who was a close, close personal friend and physician and recorder of the Apostle Paul. He wrote the book of Acts as well as the gospel according to Luke. Luke was a highly educated man who had an eye for historical detail. Luke records by the direction of the Holy Spirit the Acts of the Apostles. Why do we call this the book of Acts? Because he's recording all that the Holy Spirit had done. A matter of fact, some people say that it would be great to have named this book Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, through the Apostles because he's recording what the Holy Spirit was doing in and through the life of the Apostles. Luke is writing probably to a Roman official We know the name is Theophilus. The book of Acts was written approximately in 61-62 A.D., and it covers the first three decades or 30 years of the New Testament church. And we see the church in explosive growth, and we see it in obedience, and then we see some of it struggling. We see some of it not understanding doctrine. We see it going through persecution. We see it growing. And Luke records this with tremendous historical accuracy. My brothers and sisters, it's vitally, vitally important that we understand that what we need today more than anything is the Holy Spirit of God working in us and in our lives and in and through the life of our church family. If you would agree with that, say amen. Now look at verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive, this is Jesus, And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Now watch this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men angels of the Lord, stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Fast forward, uh, well, let's just pick it up there in verse 12 and then 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. It is vitally, vitally important that ministry and mission, the idea of evangelizing people and making disciples of others, the idea that us doing ministry amongst one another and to our community, that it be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's why that's so vitally important. Those of you who have been believers for some time and you have walked with the Lord, you know what it is to try to serve the Lord out of your own energy, out of your own strength versus the strength of the Holy Spirit. I know that personally all too well. Everyone in here who has served the Lord for some time, you would know there's times that you have served the Lord in the energy of the flesh, and there are times that you have served the Lord through the energy and power of the Holy Spirit. Those are two completely different things It's very, very important for us to recognize that when we serve according to our own power and not the power of the Holy Spirit, that there are just indicators that occur. Spiritual burnout occurs. You just wither. You just dry up because you're not connected like you need to be connected to uh, the vine. And so, therefore, as a branch, you're just lacking that proper daily nourishment that you need, and you just can wither on the vine. And so spiritual burnout can occur. Another thing that can occur if you're trying to do ministry or mission according to your own power, if you're just trying to live life according to your own power rather than the power of the Holy Ghost in you, not only in the church but outside the church in your job with your family, one of the things that will happen is that you can become a legalist looking at everyone else and wanting to remove the speck in your brother's eye, your sister's eye, your family member's eye, your neighbor's eye, your co-worker's eye, and you you just go around looking. And you're just becoming a legalist. You're busting everybody because they're not living according to the rules. Can I say to you something today, my brothers and sisters? There is not one among us here today that does not break a commandment of the Lord every day. If you believe that and understand it, say amen. That's why it's vitally important for us to recognize that when we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's grace. There's grace that is extended when people fall short. We're just not looking to bust people and wrap them over the knuckles for every little thing that they do or that they don't do. Another uh, symptom of people who are just serving uh, apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit, they can become critical and condemning in their observation of life in the community and life in the church. They can become unwilling to learn or follow instructions or correction or grow in God's Word, and they just say, I I, I just don't believe that. I, I don't want to learn. I, God speaks to me, and that's enough. And I just will say to you, there are no, there's no such thing as long-ranger, lone ranger long range Christianity. When God saved you, he didn't save you just to be isolated where you and Jesus are out there on an island somewhere, and you're just having this wonderful time in paradise. No, he has saved you, and he's made you a part of the body of Christ so that you can learn and grow from the body, and the body can learn and grow from you, and that together, together, God can be glorified as he brings people together. And so today, I want to just give you four things about how it is that healthy people in church live and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2 here today. And the first thing that I want to give you so that we can avoid spiritual burnout and seasons of dryness, and that we can be a fit faith family for the glory of God, that we can return to our first fruits, which is loving Jesus with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, so that you can be the best possible believer that you can be for the glory of God, to lead your family, to be able to uh, offer God what is, uh, He properly deserves. I want to uh, offer you this first thing that you see here in the scripture. The Holy Spirit empowers those who wait patiently on the promise of God. The very first thing that will help us be a healthy church and a fit faith family is when we wait patiently on the promise of God as individual believers and as a faith family. You'll notice here in verse uh, 4 of uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but watch this, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And that promise was that John baptized you with water, but there is coming one after me who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There is one who's coming to you who's going to fill you with his presence the third member of the Godhead is going to dwell within your hearts and lives. And he is going to shine the wonderful light of God upon the word of God so that we can understand it and we can walk with the Lord and be filled with his presence. We live in a time of instant everything, don't we? I mean, there's just instant messaging. Uh, how, how am I supposed to use text messaging? Well, when it came out, it was instant messaging. It was to be quicker than email, right, quicker than email, probably quicker than a phone call, but it's just like instant messaging. There's no time that you're away from everyone at any time, right, unless you just shut that phone off and put it under your mattress. It's just instant messaging. We have instant coffee, and I'm not talking about the old kind, to where you put some coffee grounds in a cup, and, it, and you took really hot water, and it seemed to melt it and make coffee. I mean. We have machines everywhere. We have them here at church. You just stick a cup under there and push a button, and boom, in 30 seconds, you got a cup of coffee, right? It's just, we live in an unprecedented time of instant gratification. We live in an instant everything. Our culture moves at a breakneck speed. We move from one appointment or activity to another. How many of you would say, that is my life? I'm always on the move. I move from here to there, and I'm always on the move. Will you raise your hand? And it's almost like we live at breakneck speed. What's absolutely hilarious sometimes is when y'all come back from vacation, Tracy and I know this all too well, you've served really hard all year long, you get a break in the summer, and you go on vacation somewhere, and you come back and I'll say, how was vacation? And tell me if you've not said this to me at some time or another, you'll say, you know, it was exhausting. I need a vacation from my vacation because I'm just absolutely wore out. I had a great time, but I'm just absolutely wore out. We just live at a speed that if we're not very careful, we'll be so cluttered. Our lives will be so demanded upon. Our time will be demanded from every corner of the culture and society that we'll fail to take time alone with God and wait for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Boy, the Lord has been teaching me this tremendous truth. I oftentimes will tell people, we just had a class on prayer, and I would say to people on Wednesday nights, I, I don't pray like I should. I'm sort of uh, just a, a fixer, so if I hear a problem, I want to fix it rather than just uh, pray about it and, and let the Lord take care of it. And so... Um, as I would talk about that in class and confess that, I would say pray for me that I would learn to pray more. And I'm doing that a lot more. Uh, I'm having wonderful afternoon times of prayer. In the morning, I'm having opportunities of prayer. And so for probably since uh, sometime around Thanksgiving on, that has been a growing discipline in my life. And I want to tell y'all, I can feel a difference in my own spiritual life and journey. And I'm not talking about just praying and saying, God, will you, will you speak to me this morning through your word? I'm not just saying, God, uh, will you give me a good word for the people on Sunday? I'm not just praying about, God, give me a message for the people as it relates to my vocation or calling. But I'm talking about just waiting upon the Lord and hearing him, praying for uh, you all, praying for our faith family, praying for our community. My brothers and sisters, our community has a desperate need of the gospel. If you believe that, say amen. I mean, there's just people everywhere who are lost and people who do not know the value and the joy of worshiping the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and living their life for him. And so it's really important that we learn how to wait upon the Lord. The Holy Spirit empowers those who patiently wait on the promise of God. You say, when should I wait and for how long should I wait? Well, when our strength is depleted, we should wait upon God's presence to renew us. So if you're here this morning and you would say, you know, spiritually, I feel weak. I I maybe feel weak physically. Maybe I feel weak emotionally. Maybe I feel weak weak mentally or relationally. I would say to you that you should wait upon the Holy Spirit of God to fill you with his with His Holy Spirit, and you should pray and ask the Lord to do that. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So if you're here this morning and you would say, you know, there's been a time in my life where I have felt spiritually closer to the Lord, or I felt like I had more power to do what He's called me to do, whether that is be a husband or a wife or a minister here through the church some way and maybe ministering through a particular ministry, whether that ministry be nursery. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're going to serve in the nursery. Would somebody say amen? I got laughed at Caleb this morning. He sent a message to me, and he said, well, it's official. I got pooped on today, and uh, I said, uh, why don't you wait and change that girl's diaper after she's eight and let her do her business before you start that. And she, he said it was when she first woke up. And I thought, man, she's ready to go, right? And so uh, he, he said, I, I got it, right? I, I got messed on this morning. And I would just say to you that it's vitally, vitally important, vitally, vitally important for you to understand that it is really necessary for our strength to be renewed in the Lord. And not to minister out of your own strength. When else should we wait upon the Lord? The Bible says that when we are emotionally discouraged or depressed, we should wait upon the Holy Spirit. He says in Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart, watch this, let your heart be encouraged. Be encouraged. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. So when emotionally we are discouraged or we are depressed, we should wait upon the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 37:7, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. So when we are worried or anxious about others or about life circumstances or about employment or about relationships, The Bible says it's in those times that we should just wait. These believers who were following Christ heard a clear command. You're to go to Jerusalem. You're to be together and you're to wait. And you're going to wait until I endue you and fill you with power. And I'm going to come in and indwell your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a way that you're going to be witnesses for me wherever you go. And this wasn't like, They signed up, right? The the New Testament church didn't have a bus ministry, didn't have a nursery ministry, didn't have a greeter's ministry. What they were doing was they were being filled with the Holy Spirit so that wherever they went, when they came together, when they departed, that they were being witnesses of the Lord because the Holy Spirit had filled them and was working in them. So when we're worried and anxious, we should wait on the Lord. Let me just say as a good, good reminder to you, you got somebody who's after you and the devil has released the hounds of hell to come after you and you got someone nipping at your heels and nipping at you every time you turn around they talk about you and it gets back to you if you're a child of God you do not have to answer that in one way you stand firm and faithful in Christ you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you to lead you to guide you to offer in return criticism uh, when they criticize you, to offer in return love, to offer grace, to extend the gospel, and you let those circumstances fall where they may. But don't take the low road and get entangled with that. You take the high road. If you're hearing me, say amen. Amen. And if you're one of those who are a nipper, you just after everybody. The Spirit of God is so far from you that you've become a legalist or a critic or you're just absolutely burnt out and so you want everyone else to be burnt out. I want to say to you, you are treading on very dangerous ground. The Bible teaches that there is a sin unto death and John says we should not pray that that sin unto death comes to any believer. What does that mean? It means that there is a place that God's only going to let you be a a bad witness for so long. And at what point you um, you become something that is detrimental to his kingdom, his cause, to his church. He's not going to let you just forfeit the faith. He'll remove you from that scene. And so I want to encourage you today, instead of allowing that depletion to make you someone you're not. Ask the Lord, God, fill me fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. Let me, let me be led of you. Let me learn of you. Let me grow in you. And then lastly, Psalm 123, verse 2. When we need God's grace, we should wait upon him. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master, the psalmist says, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he is gracious to us. So if you're here and you would say to the Lord, Lord, I am dry, I I'm, I'm, I'm need your presence, I've just not been the believer that I needed to be in 2019, and you want to be filled fresh and new with your Holy Spirit, and you want God to just bless you and to guide you, confess your sin and wait upon the Lord's grace to forgive you and cleanse you. And you say, how long do I have to wait for that? If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you believe it, say amen. And so, man, we can cry out to the Lord and He will cleanse us and forgive us of our sin. Psalm 123, verse 2. What are you saying this morning, Pastor? I'm saying wait upon the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Wait patiently on the promise of God and watch how in his timing he fills you, he empowers you, he directs you, and he brings glory to his son's namesake through the power of the Holy Spirit according to the word of God. God can do it. If you believe it, say amen. Here's the second thing. The Holy Spirit empowers those who are united together in the gospel. Look at what it says in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, these disciples, these apostles, were together. They were all together in one place. Verse 14 of chapter 1. And these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. The Holy Spirit empowers those who are united together in the gospel. Psalm 133 verse 1 says how good and pleasant it is. How good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. If you want the Holy Spirit of God to fill you, listen, seek to be united with brothers and sisters in Christ. Seek to be united with your faith family. Seek to be united with others. Seek the Lord and tell the Lord that you want to be a part of You don't want to be just this individual piece, but you want to be a part of what God's doing. I uh, always have this question. People, when we were in seminary and uh, just when there were times that I talked to younger pastors, uh, the question always will come up, do you think it's a bigger blessing to inherit a large church or to grow with a small church and watch God grow it to get larger? And my answer has always been, and it is today, man, it's a whole lot better uh, to watch the Lord grow a church and watch the Lord grow people and watch the Lord do a great work of discipleship in people rather than just go inherit a work that's already been grown and maybe it's on its way down or maybe that it's plateaued. It's really neat to see the Holy Spirit of God bring people together and work in them in a tremendous way. One of the greatest joys that I have as pastor and I think all of our staff guys would say is when God takes individual pieces and brings them together and they click and they mesh and they love one another and they're praying for one another and they're complimenting one another in ministry. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture to see that compliment come together. Our family uh, just has more harmony and unity and functions much better when each of us are playing to our strengths, operating according to how God's designed us, and we're not trying to operate in, a, in another way. When I try to take Tracy's job and do her job, it's not good. When she tries to do my job, it is not good. When Levi and Jacob and Caleb, and, and when they're trying to do one another's and they're not filling their own roles, what happens is personalities begin to conflict We're not serving to our strengths, and so the joy is not easy uh, or or the task is not easy and joyous. It is something that becomes a burden, and it's really, really important for us to recognize that God uses that same dynamic in his church. He teaches a lot about that in Romans 12 when he talks about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 11, 12, and 13 when he deals with the subject of spiritual gifts, 1 Peter uh, when he talks about spiritual gifts, this idea of the body coming together and working together in harmony and unity is a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, I want to say to you, man, this grandbaby, this granddaughter, she is just wearing me out. How many of you grandparents here told me or, or you know, you've experienced, man, grandkids are just different. How many of you would say that? It's just a different deal. I, I don't love Annie any more than I love my boys. It's a different experience, isn't it? We went to Louisville yesterday, and I have really not got to hold her a lot when her eyes were open and stuff. And, man, yesterday I said, man, feed that baby so we can hold her. Man, of course, Tracy went first, and I was encouraging her to do that. And after about 30 seconds, I said, here, let me have her. And (laughs) (laughs) it it wasn't really that short a time. She had her for I don't know how long, but she said she knew I was chopping it a bit. I was sitting right there by her, Leaning over and everything, she said, "Here, take her." And so, man, I, I have her. I think the first selfie I ever took was yesterday. I mean, and I had to have assistance. I said, "Jake, push the button," you know. And Levi's like laughing and said, "Push the side button, Dad. Take, take the selfie." And and uh, I took this picture of this little girl in my in my arms, and I'm just thinking, man, what a blessing. I'd change her diaper. I'd feed her. I'd burp her. If Lord. Lord Wills, I, uh, I'm going to spoil her, uh, you know, and we're going to have a big time with Annie Liz, Annie Elizabeth. But listen to me. If you guys said to me, if Becky called me, and Taylor called me and said, hey, Pastor, would you take a turn in nursery, second life group when you're not teaching connecting with Calvary? I would say, where are all the people at? I'd probably say to them uh, in behind a closed door, are you insane, right? It's one thing to hold your own grandbaby. It's another thing to hold somebody else's grandbaby. If you agree with that, say amen. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when the body of Christ works together in harmony. And I want to encourage you to seek that out more than anything. Holy Spirit, I want to wait upon you and I want you to fill me so I can be the man or woman that you want me to be. And Lord, I want you to, I want to be in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ in such a way that you fill me and I can sense your presence. I can tell you when Tracy and I are sideways and we are fussing, you say, what kind of church is this? A preacher fusses with his wife. It's an honest church. You can go to a lot of places, they won't tell you that, but I'll tell you that. And I would say to you in those times that when we're fussing or we're sideways with one another, there is not the presence of the Holy Spirit just moving within our hearts and lives right now. We're not wanting to pray, right? We're not wanting to serve. We're just wanting to try to, to survive, right? And you live with that until you know I am just living in disobedience. I'm sideways with my wife, or I'm sideways with my husband. God, forgive me. You make restitution. You grant forgiveness. You receive it. And then you say, Father, fill me fresh and new so that I can be used for your glory. If you understand it, say amen. So the Holy Spirit empowers those who wait patiently on the promise of God. He empowers those who are united together in the gospel Here's the third thing, quickly. The Holy Spirit empowers those who are obedient to the Lord's command. He said, you need to wait for me in Jerusalem. You need to wait for this promise. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. In verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went together in Jerusalem, the upper room. They went up together to the upper room. The Holy Spirit empowers those who are obedient to the Lord's command. Who not only wait upon the Lord, who not only seek to be unified with their brothers and sisters in Christ, with other believers, but the Holy Spirit empowers those who are obedient to the Lord's command. That's why it's so important for us to read God's word, And to know God's Word. And to be Word-driven believers. It is not enough for us to just sense or feel emotionally our Christianity. That can be very subjective. You may be really excited because the kids are good. You just got a promotion and it's sunny outside and you just heard you won something. And that's all happened over the last month. And you bring that into the church or into your family or into your work, and you can mistake all of that seeming good news for either the blessing of the Lord or the promise of the Lord, or you can mistake that for the approval of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is what we call subjective obedience. It's really not based on anything objective that God has said, but it's based on everything that we feel. You know, depending on where I am with the Lord, an unexpected blessing like that could be a blessing or it could be a curse. How many of you understand that to be true? And so it's really important that we are objective believers. The Holy Spirit empowers those who are just obedient to the Lord's command. What are you saying, Pastor? Pastor. Read God's word, know God's word, and obey God's word, asking that the Holy Spirit empower you to do that. And when you read things like, forgive um, that person who trespasses against you. When you hear, listen, if someone asks you to pack their pack uh, a mile, you pack it too, right? When you hear things like that, you say, I just don't want to do that, or I just can't do that you recognize that the Word is true and it's not changing because of our desire. What has to change is, God, take your Spirit, and where I'm not willing, make me willing. God, where I'm not obedient, make me obedient. God, where I'm lacking understanding, help me to understand. And God, more than anything, help me to obey your Word. Know the Word. Read the Word. Read the Word, know the Word, and obey the Word. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to do it, but if you're blatantly disobedient to the Word, the Holy Spirit is not going to bless you. He's not going to bless you. You're not going to feel that presence of the Lord inside your own heart and inside your own life. And so the Holy Spirit empowers those who are obedient to the Lord's command. And will you stand to your feet? Lastly, I want to say the Holy Spirit empowers those who seek him in prayer. Notice what was going on. They were not only waiting upon the Lord, but the Bible says in verse 14 of chapter 1, all these with one accord were devoting themselves. They're not just observing, but they they were devoting themselves. They were serious. They were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The Holy Spirit empowers those seek Him in prayer. I have wonderful good news for you today, and it is this. 2019 may have been a rocky year for you spiritually. 2020 does not have to be. 2019 could have been a year where, man, you didn't know if you were going to make it. Maybe you are like some well-known personalities who just thought, man, I... I don't know if this Christian thing is working out for me or not. Maybe I should just uh, renounce the faith and just go about living my life any way I want to. And I want to say to you, man, those thoughts can be far removed, and you can find the sweetness and the fellowship with God again through the indwelling and infilling of the Holy Spirit. Preacher, you said that when I'm born again, the Holy Spirit fills me. So if he does that, where does he go? Well, the Bible is clear. It says we can quench the Spirit of God. That means we can uh, stop Him from working in our lives in particular ways when we do not acknowledge our own sin and disobedience. That's quenching the Spirit of God. It says that we can grieve the very Spirit of God, meaning that the Lord is not pleased with our behavior. Now, He He's not pleased in a way that He's trying to get us, but just like a... Father or mother can be grieved when their child that they love and would do anything for is disobedient. It brings heartache, right, heartache to us. That's the way we can grieve the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord is saying, I've got plans for you. I want to bless you. I want to use you to exalt my name. I want you to know all of my fullness. I want you to know my life. I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And so the Lord is sitting here saying, I want to give. I want you to know. I want you to feel. I want you to experience. I want you to be obedient to my word. And I want the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you that you might be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So... If you're missing that, 2020 does not have to be a repeat here. I'm going to invite you today as Belinda comes and just ministers through the power of the Holy Spirit on that piano. I'm going to invite you to come and if, if you can come and kneel, I want to invite you to do that. I, I want to invite you to come and press forward, united together in one accord and have two prayers. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit fresh and new. God, fill me Fill our church family with your Holy Spirit, fresh and new. For those who have been here for a long, long time, you know God's mission, you know his commandment, you know what he wants to do. We cannot do it in our own strength and power. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost working in us. And so will you come this morning and just fill this front and join your pastor in praying, God, fill me, fresh and new, with your Holy Spirit, and fill our church family with your Holy Spirit. For some of us to pray that, we may have to repent of a sin, may have to repent of several sins, we may have to ask God to dig deep in our heart. Maybe for some of us here, we may have to say, Lord, make us willing, because I'm not willing. So Holy Spirit, make me willing. But I want to invite you to come now, will you? Bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you're coming, uh, we want to encourage you to just come to the front and press forward here and pray. Will you do that?